Hello and welcome to the Limerick Post Podcasts. We are Limerick. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. Join me each week as we get to know the people of Limerick who are making the city and county what it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news, sport and entertainment by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all our social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. So this week we're joined by Sheila Deegan, the Culture and Arts Officer for Limerick City and County Council. Sheila, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Kim. How is everything going? Not too bad now. We're here on a nice sunny day. It hoping a that, day. Yeah, yeah, hoping that this will carry right into the Maybank holiday weekend for Riverfest. And over the summer, hopefully. And the summer. <laughs> well, look, if we can get Riverfest, I'll be happy with that. <laughs> so, uh, Sheila, as your role as Culture and Arts Officer, uh, what does that entail? So, I suppose if you go back to where it came from, the idea of having an Arts Officer came actually as a partnership gesture by the Arts Council over 30 years ago. They recognised as an agency for developing and delivering the arts that they didn't have a regional presence. So they asked local authorities, would they consider having a specialist person? And in 1985, Clare County Council were the first local authority to put up their hand. Limerick wasn't too far behind. In 1989, um, they agreed Limerick Corporation. Then in 1999, Limerick County Council agreed. And so there were two arts officers. And then as part of the amalgamation and on the retirement of Joan McKernan in the county, uh, I became the first city and county, if you like, arts officer. Why am I now called the Culture and Arts Officer? Well, Limerick has taken culture as a driver um, of change and uh, unity, if you like. The amalgamation was seen as a very uh, disruptive change that was going to happen, not just for citizens, but for um, the city and county and the, the local government administration as well. And as you know, the, there were three or four key things that happened as a result of the need for Limerick to change. One was the amalgamation. Two was the independent airport, Shannon Airport, to give it a bit of autonomy from Dublin. The third was regeneration. And then the the implementation group for, for local government looked at, well, what's the cohesive bit? Where's the cohesive and celebratory bit? And that was culture. And that's why we were designated the first national city of culture by the government so that we could take all this change but also understand that um, culture is about identity and it is one way of people um, I suppose living with change and also um, driving um, change in a positive way so culture became a key part of what I do and also the government of Ireland has more recently developed an initiative which is across all government called Creative Ireland and that's taking on board the recognition that creativity and well-being needs to be part of people's lives and adding um, that programme which I'm also involved in delivering uh, is responsible for ensuring that there's creativity on everybody's doorstep and that can be everything from Coder Dojo to heritage to arts to um, it can be very it's a very broad range so in the last number of years, Limerick, it's not that we'd never had a cultural identity, of course we did, but what we've done is we've named it, we've owned it, and we've invested in it. And you mentioned the city of culture there as well, which was obviously a major point in recent Limerick history anyway. Exactly. The arts. And what's quite incredible, really, when you think about it, is everybody remembers something they did. Everybody tried something new, probably did something weird for the first time, and and 
visited Limerick as a venue, not just cultural venues, but Limerick as a venue because we used parks, we used factories. You know, if you take the cultural factory where we had Fuerza Bruta, we had No Fit State. These were international productions that we brought to Limerick as part of City of Culture. We built the granny there in, in, the, in the factory. It has now become Troy Studios. So that awakening of this idea that um, culture is everywhere uh, was a key thing. Uh, it was a year-long programme of celebration. We got six million euros. We have to be able to say that that also helped mm-hmm. because we were able to programme internationally. We were able to create a programme of legacy. We were able to create a programme of Made in Limerick and we were able to create a programme of commissioning. So if you think of the scale of everything in during City of Culture, there was real investment and real commitment to a programme that would enliven and I suppose develop people's capacity to deliver in the Made in Limerick um, cohort of the projects. 156 projects were invested in, 2.3 million was invested in, in Made in Limerick projects. That gave creatives in Limerick the opportunity to show how capable they were and also to create new work that still continues to resonate. If you take The Unlucky Cabin Boy, written by Mike Finn with the music by Brad Pitt Light Orchestra, that combination of creatives is now part of the Bread Not Profits production in Cleves, another factory that was animated during City of Culture as well. Do you think it was a perfect opportunity to bring the arts and culture to people who might not understand it? Yes, look, there's. it's amazing to think that and people don't participate in this day and age when when it seems like everything is accessible. But the reality, I suppose, in people's lives is that people are preoccupied and you, you just don't know, you know, what's going on in somebody's life to be able to say, you know, you must go to this, you must go to this. But a good example most recently was The Moon by Luke Jerram that we brought as part of the programming, the cultural programming for St. Patrick's Festival. As you know, we took the theme of One Giant Leap and then it was in honour of the 50 years of the moon landing and also this re-energised investment in Limerick and where we're going into the future. The moon, you know, marked the world history and I'm not saying that what we're doing in Limerick will mark world history but it will mark the lives of citizens for the future. But the record numbers of people that went to see the moon, 11,000 people, at least 60% of them said that they had never been in the cathedral. And if you take the cathedral, which is 850 years old, and unfortunately the comparative is Notre Dame, 850 years old, and you recognise how that's been present for 850 years, how come and what was the barrier for people not to you know, cross that threshold? It's always a challenge. It's been there as long as I've been arts officer, that crossing the threshold concept has always been there. But I have to say culturally, all of the um, our arts organisations, whether they're artist-led or whether they're institution, have been addressing that on an ongoing basis. So the Moon was a good example, uh, very public, very open, free, you know, stirred the imagination. The Granny, of course, that indelible mark that she left on everybody's um, memory. And then smaller things like the World Recipe Exchange that Ormston House delivered recognising the new communities in Limerick and their culinary traditions and bringing people together, not shouting about it, but in a very important way, the cohesion of, you know, family and food is a very common denominator that everybody in the world has. Mm -hmm. And uh, to do it through something like the World Recipe Exchange is just a good example of how 
creativity, culture, arts, whatever word you want to use, and that how those projects, which are artist-led typically, um, bring people together and really stir the imagination. And uh, in that time as well, we had the uh, bid for European City of Culture, which sadly went to Galway. But uh, seeing the show and the spectacle that was put on for that day when the judges were in town, do you think that left an impact on people as well? It's funny, you know, because I was so close to that and I, I actually was devised the jury visit in terms of what they would see, hear and feel on the day that they came. We only had a certain amount of time. We were to meet them at 8 a.m. We were to introduce them to, um, if you like, the, the administra- administration here. So Pat Daly, the deputy chief executive, the mayor. Um, we did that on the top of the Strand Hotel. But as someone who's been involved for a long time, and as I say, the energy around the bid itself, I and the family, the day of celebration when the jury came, I actually didn't really understand the power of that until the hurlers won the All-Ireland. And I was watching it, and I was part of the kind of like the wishing and the wanting for the win. And it was only when they won I understood the power of the bid. And I was overwhelmed in a way to think that we had that support and it wasn't that I didn't know it I suppose I didn't feel it because of the fact that I was so close to it but on that day whatever about the party on the street there were many other little things that happened behind the scenes so for example we brought the jury from um, the top of the Strand Hotel down by the Treaty Stone out over um, around by Thoman Park and into um, Killeely into the home of some of the volunteers that we had been working with during the bid process and they welcomed the jury into their house and they as a group of women told the jury how important the bid was to them and so i mean on the day the pride was just it was so palpable and it wasn't staged in any way and we went from there then um to the cleaves and hundreds of young people turned out we had we did program a, a silent disco but we wanted to show how someplace like Cleese could be animated by culture and the presence of young people and we had this amazing silent disco that was organized by um, local creative people and of course Eva International was on as well and there were thousands of people there and women with buggies you know just arrived and participated and yeah, like it was like as if the drums were, you know, the drums were out and people were saying, you know, they're here, they're here, they're coming. And, you know, if you if you filmed it, if you filmed the energy and the and the way that people kind of arrived, it would be this amazing ad, like a Coca-Cola ad or something, you know. Um, if And then we went from there out to Troy Studios and we explained how the City of Culture, you know, and then the legacy. And then we went to the University of Limerick and we... Um, Kathleen Turner um, was part of our bid team and she had arranged for the uh, Sing Out With Strings children to perform and for them to speak about what was important to them, how culture was important to them. And then Sandra Joyce actually sang us Shano's song on the bridge that was unplanned. We were walking over the living bridge from the Irish World Academy over to Plassey House and she stopped and she, they literally gathered around her and sang. And then... Um, what did we do after that then? Oh, then we came into town and we had the street party. Yeah. And on the bus back in, we had Blind Boy talk <laughs> to them, which of course was, they were totally unexpected. He kind of hopped on the bus. And then we walked literally from the Hunt to Fab Lab to Ormston House, all the way up the street. On, and, you know, that energy, like when I think about it now, it was, of course, another moment in time. But it's great. 
people carry that with them they want that people are saying can we have that again it's like yes let's do it again but let's figure out the context now like the bid was a a campaign if you like um and now we need to look for that umbrella campaign again if you like to say okay this is this is what we're bring everyone this is the context yeah, yeah yeah And uh, the arts in Limerick, what, what do you think the standard is at now? I think it's funny because one of the theatre practitioners had said to me as part of a feedback um, loop that we had around theatre, she had said, you know, people in Dublin don't know what's happening in theatre in Limerick. And that was partly lack of investment and partly lack of opportunity. So in fairness, the elected members, after the bid, the elected members put more money into culture. Said, OK, let's create some level of sustainability around that. So one of the things we did was we did an open call for theatre bursaries. And I'm glad to say that that practitioner can now happily say that people in Dublin know what's happening in theatre in Limerick. Because her play ended up going on tour to Australia. And uh, one of the other people, uh, Anne Blake, who, so that was Joanne Ryan, and her play Ex- Existentialism has managed to tour successfully with support from us, Culture Ireland, win awards. Um, as well as Anne Blake's play, the morning, the, the morning after the life before, um, also investment has allowed that to tour to America, to tour to other fringe events, and of course Mike Finn's play that is going to happen now over ten days in the Cleese factory. So there is a tangible outcome of the investment, the renewed investment. Remember, that's new investment. It's not historical investment. It's new investment, and it's really important to invest in the creators because. Without them, we wouldn't have the programme, the exciting programme. So you've been in this role for a, a while now. Yeah. What does it mean to you to see this investment coming in now? Because Limerick has gone through a rough time in that period. Yeah, I'm so privileged. I feel so privileged. I feel so privileged to have been part of the... You know, when I think back now, and City of Culture opened doors for all of us, for, for, for me, for, for cultural people, for even, you know, other people of, in the executive here in Limerick City and County Council. The Department of Culture now knows that Limerick is leading the way. The Arts Council now know that Limerick is leading the way. Even the Creative Ireland initiative, we were, Creative Ireland wanted local authorities to think about a coherent approach to culture. We had done that. So we're a little bit, we, we were, we're out ahead. Now we need to stay ahead. But yeah, for me personally, I mean, I came in as one person into the, this organisation. I now have a team of people, which is really important because, you know, you can't, we're all personally committed. You can't do this job unless you're personally committed. Sometimes I wonder if there's any uh, separation between my life and my job, but that's okay. I, I understand a vocation, if you like. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to be a martyr or, or anything, but it has meant an awful lot to me. And your own background in the arts, how did you get involved in deciding? Well, you see, when I started, there was no degrees in arts administration or things like that. So if you take my experience, I did Irish dancing for 18 years. I was in Tops of the Town. I was in the College Players and I was also involved in Island Theatre Company. So I was culturally aware, but in a very, it was all amateur experience. Mm -hmm. And when this job came up, I was actually working in as an administrator in analogue devices. And I was surrounded by engineers. And I remember when the job came up, they were like, you should go for that. That you, you, that you like that sounds like a job that you'd like. And I remember jo- Jim Kemi, God rest him, being on the interview board 
and I remember him asking me like why do you want this job and I remember like very naively now very naively because it is quite a long time ago uh, saying that Limerick was important to me and I wanted to understand how to make what I was interested in important now remember the arts officer jobs nobody really knew what we were supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. and I always tell this story against myself which is I was appointed in Limerick and the woman who was appointed in Cavan, we used to, there was no mobile phones, remember, computers. We didn't actually have computers in the city council at that stage. So you were doing your correspondence by letters and phone. And I remember ringing her saying, what are you doing? And she'd say, <laughs> and she said, I'm, I don't know what to do. What are you doing? I said, well, I don't either. Um, but, you know, when you think now that 35 years later, and I'm not here 35 years, but 35 years ago, the Arts Council said, let's invest in professional um, and uh, people in a local authority. Because if you're inside the local authority, you get a lot of institutional support yeah. that you can't get if you're outside. So, for example, when you want to close a street, you know the person here to go to. You've built up a level of trust. You understand their concerns. You work with them. And it's much easier to have that professional relationship internally now you can have it externally and it's collaboration is the way forward we have to do you know we're not necessarily the creatives we're the people who are enabling the creatives um but yeah when i go back to those early 90s and go wow what was the job of an arts officer what is it now i could never have imagined that i would have had the opportunities that i've had really you know like city of culture and the bid have been just an enormous rewarding um, piece of work for me. And you mentioned your background in Irish dance. Uh, it's a very grassroots form of culture, I think. You know, it's Absolutely. Small schools that go on to bigger things. Absolutely. But, uh, how important is it in your role to keep connected with groups like that? Very. And of course, we have the county now as well. So we work from Abbey Field across to Kilfinnan. We work across the county. And we have been investing in small festivals that are eco, you know, the ecology of the festival is coming out of their community. They've existed before me, but they and the support they need is to move forward because often they're led by people with a bit like ourselves, a passion for something, a vocation for something. So if you take Fla by the Feel in Abbey Feel, they have created this unique event. Within it, they have a bones competition which like just as a piece of curating, if you like to use that word, um, is extraordinary to have this event in Epifield on the border between Limerick and Kerry. Um, and we're trying to help them grow the uniqueness of that. You know, we've just come from the launch of the tourism strategy and Fall to Ireland are looking for unique experiences for tourists. And as you say, that grassroots, that all exists, but we need to bring some of it to the next level. If you take Hearsay Audio Festival in Kilfinnan, you know, led by Dermot, um, he wants to bring the world to a hilltop village in Ireland, and he's managed in Limerick, and he's managed to do that through a festival. Festivals are places that we can bring people together, celebrate, contribute to the local economy, drive um, pride and ownership of a place. Um, so. We have, as I say, within each of the districts, there are maybe one or two key uh, projects that we are committed to. And then, of course, we have lots of open calls where smaller groups working in an amateur way can get support from us. And uh, you mentioned we just came from the launch of the new tourism plan. Uh, 
what role will the arts and culture play in this? Well, I'm so thrilled, and that is that 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 I suppose ultimately is a recognition of all of the investment over the years and continuing to say that four-letter word arts, which sometimes can confuse people, but now adding culture to it makes a bit pe- people a bit, a bit more comfortable. And if you add festivals and events, so if you have culture, arts, festivals, and events, and you put them together as a package within tourism. Of course, they're the thing, you know, they were talking in the speeches about having things to do. You can walk, you can run, you can jump in a lake, you can, but you can also come to festivals or you can have a unique heritage experience or you can have a food experience. And all of those are cultural. And I'm so proud that within that tourism strategy, one of the drivers is culture and arts. And you mentioned the festivals there. So St. Patrick's Festival, traditionally it would be a local groups marching up O'Connell Street, but Limerick has taken on themes over the last number of years. Yeah. How important is it to have an arts input in that? I think spectacle is the word that we've kind of come to to live with easily. If you take Granny, that was spectacle. Mm -hmm. And understanding how that really captured people's imagination was the thing we're trying to do with the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I love the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I was in it for years. And if I wasn't in it, I remember standing with my parents, you know, in a particular spot every year, same time, with your shamrock or your badge. So it is a it is a civic pride event. Uh, you know, it is important to keep that. But we have the capacity to create spectacle in it. So we've created a theme. Last year we did circus. This year we did the moon. And that just fires the imagination. The amount of clubs that said to us oh my god the young people are thrilled to be responding to a theme you know it there's there's the automatic pride of just walking in the parade um and a mother who had on the day of the st patrick's day parade she said can i get in there to take a picture of my son he was walking down with the shannon rugby club and she got a picture and then i met her recently at something she said oh my god my little boy said everybody was looking at me it was fantastic (laughs) so you know there's, there's, no matter what age you are, there's a different. You'll have a different experience within the parade. But yeah, we've tried to curate a content because we have the biggest parade outside of Dublin, um, and that's been acknowledged by Fault Ireland, and they have called us to the table and said, okay, we will invest in a three-year period in the development of the St Patrick's offer in Limerick because they understand that. As a unique selling experience, lots of people want to be in Ireland for St. Patrick's Day, but Dublin's at capacity. So we're, again, showing how we're a little bit ahead of the game. They called us and said, you know, will you be part of this development? And you're like, yes, we're ready. So I, I totally, like, there are 10 other parades in Limerick on St. Patrick's Day, from Rathkeel mm-hmm. to Brough to Askeaton, you know, like, and they are as important. And they don't necessarily need to scale up. They need to be what they are, which is the community coming together to to put on a display of civic pride and citizen pride within their area. If we can help in a way to make them more creative, because, you know, I don't know if you saw, it wasn't in our parade, but, you know, the, the stealing of the ATM and the crane, and that I think that was in a parade in Cavan. <laughs> and that kind of humour, yeah. you know, can be brought to bear. And, and again, just give people an opportunity to kind of, you know, um, maybe have a little laugh or, 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 you know, a bit of fun, a bit of fun. So you, you had that bit extra support and investment coming in. What's for the future of the arts and memory? I don't know. I don't have a, um, I, don't, I don't, I haven't looked into the looking glass, but I suppose we're continuing to drive forward. We, I want, I would love 
So I'd love to be able to say that there was a home for Fidget Feet because they have an ambition to have the Irish Area Creation Centre here in Limerick. And they had a big celebration this year. They're 21 years old. So, you know, it takes a very long time for a a small arts organisation driven by totally committed individuals to get to this point. So it's important that we don't, um, you know, that we take those strengths that we have. So we have have an ambition around that. We have an ambition around Ormston House. We have an ambition around Ireland's Biennale. We have an ambition around um, a key festival in each of the districts. We have an ambition around um, new festivals for Limerick. And also, you know, for a long time, Riverfest, the the narrative around it, what was the narrative, Who? what is it? Mm-hmm. People, and when the run came to it, that anchored it, when the Great Limerick Run came, that anchored it. But now we're saying, actually, it's Riverfest. And it is the urban experience on the wild Atlantic way. And you can get into the river or you can sail on the river or you can so you can swim, you can sing, you can like there's so many things that have connected to the river. And like one of the gorgeous things that happened this year for me anyway, um, in the programming side of it was the Limerick Anglers um, came forward and said, can we run a fishing competition? Of course you can run a fishing competition. Please do. That's the community involvement that's needed, though, to ownership that ownership idea that it belongs like this we're just providing the platform and we need people to make it real and then we have the likes of uh, Limerick School of Art and Design how important is that to the city what's extraordinary about the Limerick School of Art and Design is that it's over 150 years old and you have we have all of the stalwarts like John Shinners and uh, who have come from the school but you also have these young people who come to Limerick for four years they don't want to leave when they, the, one of the first phone calls they make when they leave the art colleges to us here in the culture and arts department, they say, is there studios? Can I, you know, they want to stay. They feel the energy and the edginess of Limerick as a, as a creative inspiration, if you like. And it never ceases to be amaze me how collectives kind of pop up. Now, they, they you know, they, they start and they fade and they start and they fade. That's the nature of them. But if you take Ormston House and what they've achieved in seven years, all of those people came out of the art college. And if, of course, you have the reputation of the art college as a fashion, a place of fashion. And now they're taking on film and they recognize the skills, you know, that they can train people around the skills for film because we're scaling up for film, animation, ceramics. Like it has such a reputation. It's, it's like in the top 50 art colleges in the world. So if you want to a good college, art college experience, it certainly is, you know, something that we can say with pride. Um, that Limerick School of Art and Design is is an important one within the world. Perfect. Sheila, thanks very much for joining us. You're very welcome. I could probably say a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to We Are Limerick, a Limerick Post podcast. For more news, sport, entertainment and more podcasts, visit limerickpost.ie.